sex talk. Derek and Miley. Cause sexuality is tough. And okay, sexist isn't good enough. No. Sex talk with Derek and Miley. Hey folks, welcome to Sex Talk with Erica Miley. Erica Miley here. I am so excited for this conversation. You all are just going to be floored at the amazing and wonderful Brandy Sellers, nationally certified counselor based in North Texas. We're going to jump into some really tough stuff, folks. You've already heard from someone that she knows well, Dr. Angie Storr. We're going to talk about cancer and sex. And I want you to tell us, first first and foremost, we could just jump right into this conversation, but tell us a little bit about yourself. And I know that you have a personal story to tell. Hey, Erica. Yes. So I was actually diagnosed with breast cancer at age 37, which was a huge surprise because I don't have a family history of breast cancer. I was newly divorced and had three little babies. Um, They were like, I think they were four, seven, and nine. And I found a lump and didn't do anything. And then a couple months later, I couldn't release my arm. So I went to the doctor and ended up getting a breast cancer diagnosis. Yeah, that must have been such a life altering. I feel like life changing is not enough in this situation, like upside down life. Yeah, like, and I had just come out of two really hard years getting a divorce, and there was a whole situation with my mom, and just, and that New Year's Eve, I had said, like, 2011 is going to be my year, and then two months later, I got diagnosed with cancer, and unfortunately, it was already in my lymph nodes, that's why my arm wasn't functioning properly, so I had, they said, because you're so young and healthy, we're going to give you the hardest chemo, and then you're not a candidate for lumpectomy. You have to have a mastectomy. And so I did those things. And then I had radiation and it took almost a year start to finish for all my treatments and surgeries. I imagine that had to have been the most exhausting, challenging experience of your life. It was. In some ways, it was good because I it forced me to get, take help from people, which I had never really done before. Us therapists aren't so great at that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> no, we could, I could do everything. I don't need help. Um, <laughs> but you know, I did. And I just, I had no choice. It was like I was on my knees. And so I learned how to take help from people. And I also was in an amazing relationship at the time. And so I had support in that way as well. Like I actually did a vlog at the beginning for the first few months and I've never gone back and watched it because I'm, I will one day, but I know I'm totally disassociated in it because I just remember I was like a deer in headlights. Like it was just so unexpected. How could this even be happening? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that it is a very difficult thing. I've never been through cancer myself, but I know I've talked on the show where I've lost a pregnancy and I did a diary around that time and I still have never gone back. So I imagine like it's hard to even think about what's there. Yeah. It's hard to think about that time when I was so vulnerable and so just raw and didn't feel powerful and really thought I'm like, I'm going to die and leave these young children. It was sort of the universal is totally not fair. <laughs> Why is this happening to me? Absolutely. I bet. And I bet you in your work today, because guess what folks, she works with cancer patients currently. I imagine that's very similar to what you hear from them. It is a universal, especially with younger patients. It's a little bit different population because, you know, when you're older, 
your peers, people around you have probably had cancer or been sick. And when you're younger, like I was the only one in my peer group that was going through this. So there is kind of a universal, what the hell, why is this happening? That I think most people experience. It's bewildering that this could be happening to your body. And so I think this brings us square knee deep and like, Erica, this is a sex podcast. How did we get here? So (laughs) what do cancer and sexuality have in common? Yeah. So people ask me that a lot when I tell them that I work with cancer survivors and around sexuality. And really, I think there's uh, not an understanding in our culture about how much cancer can affect your body image, your libido. It can affect your fertility if you're younger. It can affect how much your partner wants to hit on you because maybe they're afraid they're going to hurt you. It just can affect so many aspects of our sexuality that really aren't addressed by oncology professionals. And so that's actually part of the reason why why I became a counselor to work with cancer patients. And then I sort of happened into the sex therapy realm of it because I realized how it just wasn't being addressed and what a need there is to address it. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. Like it blows me away. It blows me away how many medical professionals, how many helpers out there absolutely refuse to address sex in a meaningful way as part of us as a whole person. Uh Yeah. I think oncologists in particular, I mean, bless them. I don't want that job either. I think that's probably a horrible job, but I, they want to save your life. And I like, I totally appreciate that. I'm still here today because of that. But also I need to have a life that's worth living. And just because I had this bewildering, possibly terminal illness doesn't mean that I don't want to also experience pleasure in my life. It can't just be all drudgery from here on out. I'm only 46 now. So I think that we have a mandate to help all these cancer survivors still have a sex life and experience pleasure in whatever way they want with whoever they want. Woo! Cancer Awareness Month, be ready. Be ready for pleasure. Come on. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I mean, all of you out there wearing pink, and I know you all are this month because we're recording this in, in the month of October. All of you out there wearing pink, it's okay to feel pleasure when you're not feeling well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like when I was in treatment, I was still having a great sex life with my partner and he wasn't afraid to hit on me. Thank goodness. And it was a really important part of my healing. I feel like. Do your clients, did you, as much as you know, you're willing to share that was it an unsettling step to try to step toward pleasure? For me, no, but I, I think for some people, yes, because they're, you know, you kind of can't like pick and choose uh, feeling sometimes. Like you kind of either want to have them all or you're going to just shut them all away. And so I think, you know, if you're willing to be close enough to somebody else, at least if you're talking about partnered sex, if you're going to be close enough to someone else, then other feelings besides pleasure might sneak in there. There might be some other intimacy. And so I think you have to be willing to, you have to be willing to do that. And then I think also who you are with cancer is the same person you were the day before you got diagnosed. So whatever issues you may have already had around your sexuality, you just brought with you and then added this whole other complication. Yes, absolutely. Like it just feels 
<laughs> what's ringing in my head right now, and I can't help it, it is sexual healing by Marvin Gaye. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like, yes. Like we seem to look away from pleasure as this like actual thing that could be healing to us. And that reconnection with the body, almost reclaiming of the body. Like what do you see or what do your 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 folks report? when it comes to like that disconnection from the body while they're going through this? Yeah. Well, it's hard to stay present if you're in pain. And so it's easier to disassociate. And then you, you have to be willing to stay present. And it's sort of like, I kind of think of it also how I think about my yoga practice now. It's all kind of pain management. Like how can I do this and have pleasure even though I'm experiencing chronic pain from cancer treatment? How can we have sex and have pleasure even though it may be different now because our bodies might not work the same. We may have to explore and be curious about other sexual activities that we can do because we may not be able to do the ones we did before. There just has to be that willingness. But I think there also has to be an emphasis on that it still is okay that we want it and it's part of life. And I think we have to acknowledge that and let ourselves have that instead of having like a cancer can give you a real scarcity mindset in a hurry. And pleasure is not part of that. Yes, absolutely. I think we as a culture tend to like silo people and pleasure, like people who have disabilities, people who have like chronic illnesses or pain, or people who are elderly. Like, no, the pleasure is not for those people. I think in culture, that's something that we do. And we need to take that back as humans. Pleasure is for all of us. And what an impact it sounds like it has had for you, but also your clients. Well, and I think it's freeing to have someone tell you, you still deserve pleasure and your life doesn't have to be drudgery. And then to help people find that for themselves in whatever way. And maybe they never had it before. Maybe they're finding it for the first time. And I think they're, that's really gratifying. And I think it feels, as a clinician, it feels good. And I think it's helpful to them. It's a service. Yes, absolutely. So as far as I I know, I I think when you're a sex therapist, you spend a lot of time in the world of shame. I think that's just part of the gig. So like, what role do you think shame plays for people who have gone through cancer or, or maybe even a chronic illness for them and sex? Yeah, I think there's a lot of shame around them not being able to maybe, especially if they have the same partner that they had before, there's shame around like, I can't believe I did this to us or now, you know, he really liked nipples and now I don't have any or, you know, just all of these things that we make wrong about us as a result of having had cancer or a chronic illness. And we, it's easy to feel like it's your fault, like you've done something. And then there's just a tremendous amount of, amount of shame around that because other people are having to accommodate. So I think working through that, I can't remember if it was on this podcast or if it was on a TV show, but just that idea that, you know, if you're like naked and having sexual activities, like fat rules aren't important. And maybe if you don't have a nipple, that's not important either. You know, like you can still have a lot of fun. And at the end of the day, that's the, the point is the intimacy and the pleasure. Yes. Our misconceptions around that sex is this it has to involve penetration or it has to involve the same pattern of sex we've had before. When in reality, the flexibility and 
the novelty that can come from the flexibility is really exciting. Yeah, I agree. And also the increased amount of intimacy that's required a lot of times. If you're if you're having to reinvent your sex life, then you're probably having to talk about it. And maybe <laughs> yes. you've never talked about it before either. And you might discover a whole bunch of new things that both of you like through that conversation or all of you, however many partners you have. It actually creates more intimacy in a lot of ways. I can't imagine that people would have taken that away. Like if they would have ever thought like, oh, I had this cancer diagnosis that that might mean that I might end up being more intimate, like have a more, a more deep intimacy with my partner. Maybe. Sadly, a lot of people don't if they don't get help and if they don't know that help is available and if no one ever asked them about how their sex life is or how their sexual functioning is. Speaking of that, <laughs> what is the most common experience some of your clients, maybe even you yourself have had with medical professionals around sex and a cancer diagnosis? There are a couple of parts of this issue. One part is that oncologists aren't often asking or oncology professionals aren't often asking or telling their clients how cancer is going to affect their sexuality. One study I saw said only half of cancer patients recall their oncologist telling them how cancer treatment was going to affect their sexual health and their fertility. So that's one part of the problem is that doctors aren't talking about it. Doctors are mostly not trained. They're not even, they're not trained as much as we are, the sex therapists are. And I'm like, that's, this is how we get here. And you are the body mechanics. How is that possible? Right. Well, because again, they're just trying to save your life, which is so awesome and needed. But there needs to be something in there that can fill that gap of like all the other aspects of humanity that people need to address. As much as we have like, and and we have in therapy too, we have created these niches, right? Because there's so much to know about one type of issue that it's hard to even add more things to know about that one type of issue. So when someone is starting out, when they first get this diagnosis, like where should they begin? What would you want them to know? About their sexuality, I would want them to know that their sex life isn't over and that they can ask their doctor. And if their doctor doesn't have resources, they can email me and I can send resources. They can find a sex therapist in their area who might be able to help them because there is an overlap with chronic illness and cancer and sexuality. I feel like there's a lot of overlap there. Because if you're lucky enough to survive, then you're basically considered having a chronic illness after that. So there are resources available. And I just, I, it's really important to me that people know that your sex life isn't over and whatever body parts you have to say goodbye to doesn't make you less of a man or a woman and that there is a pleasurable life that can still be ahead for you. That was just stunning. I appreciate that very much because I think there are so many listeners, there are so many people in the world who have, they're, they're either, either they're just beginning this journey, they're midway through the journey. And I imagine they would be asking themselves this question, well, what about my sex life? Like, what about, do I have to say goodbye to that? I don't really want to. Yeah, absolutely. And also, if I was told it, I didn't hear it, which is another issue is cancer patients remember a very small amount of what they hear in doctor's appointments. Um, 
But if you're taking chemotherapy, you're supposed to use condoms if you're having partnered sex. And so I didn't learn that until after I had chemotherapy, which would have been helpful to know before, right? Absolutely. So the mechanics of how you're having sexual activity isn't really discussed either a lot of times. So there are just all these areas that um, we need to fill in those gaps. And I think we can do that by starting to ask questions. Because I, I feel like if more patients are asking questions, then more oncologists are going to have to get resources or education themselves to be able to address those things. Or at least have like a fantastic referral. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is a solvable problem. Quick break from the action, folks. Ah, action. <laughs> I just want to tell you about my Patreon. Every week, I bring you guests and, seriously, lots of sex nerdery. <laughs> Help me keep doing that by becoming a supporter. What do you get in return? Cool perks. For real. I am going to be doing shout-outs, stickers, a bunch of stuff. So check it out at ericamiley.com forward slash Patreon. That's E-R-I-K-A-M-I-L-E-Y dot com forward slash Patreon. I hope to see you and see more of you by becoming a Patreon. Thanks, guys. If you had some suggestions on products, like if this would be a great opportunity for us to talk a little bit, maybe about lubricant or even maybe a toy if you if you have one in mind if even we'll make sure that all of this is in the show notes so whatever we talk about next so that all of you can find them but like lubricant and you have some suggestions about pre post op or even after chemotherapy yeah so chemotherapy if you're still menstruating pretty much puts you right into menopause chemopause we call it and sometimes you might come back out and sometimes not but you know so then vaginal dryness is definitely a part of that and so liquid or good clean love are two good lubes that you can use and you know about that like I was 37 and I had never had an issue with vaginal dryness and I had horrible judgments around developing vaginal dryness. Cause I was like, how could this possibly be happening to me? I'm only 37. You know, those menopausal symptoms, that's kind of another thing, another layer that needs to be talked about and addressed and for people to understand and that it is okay. And what I went on to learn through taking my sex therapy classes is lots of people use lube for lots of reasons. And so, right. yeah, we could all just lube it up. That's right. And because we only, I mean, even before like menopause, chemopause, anything, sometimes we don't make a lot of lube to begin with. And so it can make all around the, the experience for everyone more pleasurable. Any suggestions on toys or anything else or books or any other kind of products that might be helpful to the audience at this point? Well, I know you recommend Come As You Are all the time. And that's definitely one of my sex therapy Bibles. Yes like sits on my desk. Yeah. And then I've really been getting into pleasure activism lately, which isn't about cancer at all, but I've really been enjoying that. And I think it's awesome just because it emphasizes that we just all deserve pleasure. Like we didn't come here to live lives of drudgery and die. So that's um, right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I would say pleasure activism is definitely high on my list of recommendations at the moment. I, I think that's a fantastic idea. And so I, folks, all of that will be in the show notes so that you can find it very easily. So Brandy, how do people find you in the world? 
So I'm on Instagram. It's Brandy with an IE dot sellers is my Instagram handle. I'm on Therapy Den, which is a really great therapist network if people are looking for a therapist. And I Choose Change is my practice website, and you can find me on there. It's the practice that I work for. Um, You can find me on there as well. Fantastic. All right, folks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the end. And Brandy, thank you for being here. I appreciate it so very much. And folks, we hope you have a great rest of your week, and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening, folks. Please rate and review on iTunes. It helps this podcast get found. If you leave a five-star review, let me know about it on any social media, and I'll shout you out on the podcast. You can find my website at ericamiley.com. You can find me on Facebook, the gram, and Twitter. See y'all next time.